Here's the situation. The United States got 827,000 square miles of land west of the Mississippi River for 15 million bucks. I'd call that a bargain. I'm gonna give you the actual or estimated prices of other things, Rush, and I'd like you to tell me if you think that's a bargain, that's a ripoff, or that's a fair price. I love it. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, also, I'm Rush Howell. I'm TJ Jagodowski. And this is uh, Here's the Situation. It's a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And this week's theme, we always have a theme, and this week's uh-huh. theme is Thelma and Louisiana Purchase. Right. So Thelma and Louisiana Purchase. Uh, so obviously Louisiana Purchase uh, factoring directly in yeah. uh, to the one TJ said. We'll come back to that one. We'll end on that. We always do that. If you've never listened to us before, <laughs> Uh, it's unlikely that right. be true, but if it is, then there you go. Do you think, um, Rush, can we ask, let, let me give out our email right now at here's the situation, here's the situation podcast at gmail.com. If for some reason you happen to have been listening to this, this is the first time that you've ever listened to us, then I'd love to hear why. If you wouldn't mind writing to us, I don't think there's going to be anybody, but if no. that happens, then please write to us and just tell us why now. Um, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to find out. I'm curious. I love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so TJ, I will start with, um, the following situation, uh, that comes from Thelma and Louisiana purchase. Yep. And, um, it actually kind of comes from, uh, Louisiana, I suppose. But so he- here's the situation. Love it. You, uh, you're going to select a, a new place to live. Okay. Uh, you're going to move there with, with Beth and um and and uh you're gonna uh, have whatever you know a nice town the the town everything about it is however you want it to be whether you want that to be uh you know chicago huge city whether you want to be in a small town that that all doesn't matter but i'm going to give you uh, a few different weather uh situations okay where um you have to assume that the city that you're going to move to is in the bottom uh, 1% in the continental United States for the following weather conditions. Okay. And I want you to rank from the place that you would, uh, uh, the, the weather condition that would least uh, be a deal breaker for you to the weather condition that would most be a deal breaker for you. Again, assuming you're in the top 1% in the continental U.S. for these things. Okay. And what got me to think about this one was New Orleans, yep. which is a city that you like a lot. Love a lot it. of people like it a lot, yep. but there's a pretty big downside to New Orleans, which is it is a shape like a saucer and in yep. the direct path of hurricane. Yeah. Hurricane magnet and below sea level. Bad, bad, bad combo. Yeah. Terrible combo. So he, here are, and I believe there are eight of these for you to rank. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's right. Uh, so in no particular order, um, tor- Tornadoes. So mm. this place gets hit by top 1% for tornado uh, warnings and tornado hits. Uh, earthquakes. Okay. Uh, hurricane or hurricane path. Uh, d- days of rain per year. So not total rainfall, but uh-huh. the amount, the total number of hours of the year that it's overcast and raining. Um uh, days below freezing, mm-hmm. days above 95 degrees Fahrenheit, okay. and just to be clear, 
for myself because I may have to alter the situation. You you don't care for above ninety five degrees Fahrenheit, right? You're not one of those people that likes it to be a hundred. Uh, so far it's the one I mind the least. I will tell you that. But, okay, let me move it to days above one hundred degrees, which may not alter it for you, but there's some people that like like it ninety five. I don't know anybody that likes it a hundred. Um, and uh, next one is uh, mudslides. Jesus. Okay. And the last one is uh, inches of snow per year. Okay. All right. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. I think I'm just about there. Um, that's got to go there. Damn it. Uh, man, I, that sounds terrible. Okay. 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 I'm good. I think I'm locked in. All right. Great. So let's go uh, in order from the one that is the the least of a deal breaker to the one that is the biggest deal breaker for you. Again, all other things uh, equal, just these weather condition changes, which would be the which would be the most tolerable for you. Days above one hundred. I'm okay. still that's still that's still good for me. Got it. I've so no. I've no never problem. lived anywhere that didn't have a pretty powerful winter, and now living in Chicago for. No, 27 years, 20, maybe t- I've had 27 or 28 Chicago winters. Uh, right now, it above 100 didn't bother me. And certainly days, we didn't have many this year, days above 95. It was a pretty mild, long, one of the best summers I can remember in in the history of living here in Chicago. Uh, it was, I thought it was long, mostly temperate, beautiful. We're having another nice week this week. Um, and I did, there wasn't any crazy crazy long hot snaps so above 100 yeah. sounds sounded good to me got to agree with you there it started poorly yep but we were all quarantined anyway but like march and april were rough and then we really did have a great weather year yeah um i do think do you agree that you moved to chicago 27 years ago i first moved to chicago uh 21 years ago okay and my early years in Chicago, I felt like the, the, the calendar has shifted between like two to five weeks. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'm just misremembering, but I, I feel like when I moved to Chicago, May was usually like tolerable, if not good. And April, you'd get some good and some bad, but some good. And then March was usually really bad yeah and now like april's always terrible may is like touch and go and it's in even some days in june can't be great whereas now we almost always get really nice octobers and this week that we're having like in november now is not that atypical but but am i wrong is it is it just always been this way no i i uh I don't remember us getting like the the Southside Parade, which was for St. Patrick's Day. Like sometimes you get snow for that, and then we're like, okay, yeah, that's what you know. Or you get snow maybe a week after that, the Southside Parade. Last year we had snow the week before and the week after Easter, which was in April, like April twenty seventh or something. We had snow. It didn't accumulate, but it snowed for about ten hours. Uh, all all you know, just ate up that day. Very, very frustrating. The the last couple of years, I feel like we've had you know some five month winters that start in November and have gone till gone till April. Is what it is yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We kind of feel the same way about it. All right. Yeah. Sorry for the tangent. That's okay. Um, number two. That said, I'd probably go with inches of snow. Okay. So if if it's a reasonably sized winter, you know, like or you just get you know you get a bunch of snow December this pre Christmas snow, I don't mind. 
It's Got it. j- late January snow. I'm not. I'm not as uh, everything pre Christmas snow is just set decoration. You know, it's just it's just another another <laughs> like you know another beautiful little part of like people's lawns and stuff. Um, so if it's a reasonably sized winter and and that brings some snow, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Um, For me, like snow is like you know. Uh, like a house guest. Yeah. It's like it's really enjoyable for a couple days. <laughs> right. right. And, then, and then when it stays like two Vis- weeks, right. like visitors and visitors and fish. Right. Uh, yeah. That said, then I'll probably go to days of rain. I, I, I'm, we're getting into realms now where I like this is, I mean, this was all sort of unpleasant. Above 100, like that, I, there's air conditioning. There's, you know, there's things you can still do, but um, now we're getting into stuff that I'm going to find pretty unpleasant. Beth lived in Portland for a while. I drove her out there and I'd never heard a weather broadcast that talked about a sunspot. And they were saying like, tomorrow there may be a, like a 15 minute period where we have sunspots. And and that was going to be it, you know, like that was it for the week. Um, so days of rain, I think, you know, whatever, Portland, uh, you know, um, Seattle, that whole kind of upper West Coast. Uh, that's number three. Number four, below freezing. So, um, so, so far I've gotten, I my first one through four were the ones that don't necessarily bring death tolls. Yep. Um, next, um, so now I'm uh, death toll wise and uh, five, uh, hurricane. I'm going to take a hurricane. Um there's still some unpredictability to it, where to land, you know, like where it might not. There's different degrees and stuff like that. So um, six, and this sounds terrifying because I, I don't want it this high, mudslides. That sounds <laughs> horrific, like a whole mountain just letting go and either you're sliding with it or it's sliding into you. That sounds awful. Um, the good news, though, is that you're, it means you're living with like some good elevation. Right. Yeah, like I guess. Right. Nice or, right. Or or at the base of a nice bluff that, uh, that <laughs> a nice wet, nice wet, earthy bluff. Um, seven is the tornado um, because there's still a little play in that one. There's a little randomness. Maybe your house, maybe not your house, but your neighbors might. There are ways to maybe, you know, you can um, maybe fortify against some of that. But there ain't no avoiding an earthquake. If that's two miles away, you're still you're still shake rattling and rolling. So um, earthquake, even though it probably like it's rare that we have big ones, and it seems like it doesn't get de- towns don't get decimated by earthquakes like they do by tornadoes. The certainty that you are going to ramble and rumble uh, with an earthquake scares me just a little bit, a little bit more. I heard one time that a 100% of the people who go through an earthquake. Uh, are suffer some level of depression afterwards that it's like a it, you just can't avoid it there's there's something that's so depressing about the certainty of the earth that you walk on moving around that it's unavoidable that you have you suffer from some level of like of depressive de- yeah that well that's what i heard it sounds hard to believe but that's i, I, I experienced an earthquake i mean it, while i was taking my first law school exam which was funny, and uh-huh. we all just kept going. Uh, did not, did not. I don't think experience any depression related to it. it wasn't like that big of an earthquake. Certainly, I, I would have had earthquake probably number two. Really? Worst. Oh, two worst. Torna- okay. Tornadoes for me is like a clear yeah. number one. Like I feel like if you're in the one percent worst earthquake area, there's still probably like not that many major earthquakes that occur. Like I think, I think like LA probably is. Yeah. Or at least close. It's LA has got to be in the top 5%, right? Uh, maybe, but, but like if I feel like 
tornadoes are like a yearly occurrence and are a big problem uh, if you're in if you're in that tornado path. Yeah. Like, and that, but that one just at least when you, more than likely when you see a tornado, you're like, well, that's as bad as a tornado gets. With an earthquake, you're always like, wow, man. When we get the big one, this is going to be yeah. so much, you know, like these that's are just right. little, you're just seeing little baby earthquakes, like, uh, tornadoes. You're like, Oh, that's, that's it. We can, we got through this one. I was, I was, uh, we shot a commercial down outside of Oklahoma city, uh, in, in tornado alley. And we were in between two tornadoes for a little while down there. Wow. Um, and we just, we just kind of sheltered in, we were shooting in a high school, the high school that Wes Welker attended. Um, oh. And, uh, with Kevin Durant, we were shooting with Kevin Durant and we, he wasn't there yet, but we just sheltered in the bathrooms. That was where you went. That was where the, there was no windows in there, I guess is why we, yeah. why we went there. Atlanta gets some tornadoes. So we would do tornado drills yeah. uh, as kids. And it was always a little terrifying. Uh, Sharknado worse than earthquake or not as bad as an earthquake. For you, uh, if you're in the top 1% of Sharknado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not as bad. Not as bad. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, once they're on land, they're, I, I don't know how they reconcile that in the in the films, but it seems like once they're dropped on land from from a tornado, I don't know how bad it can be. You know, yeah, I, it's, I guess worse than I think. One percent of zero is still zero. <laughs> right. so I'll take those short Yeah. All right, Rush. Here's the situation, Rush. If I go to Louisiana, the one thing I will definitely am going to purchase is a beignet. Yeah. I'm going to give you now some places, and I want to know the one food item that you will purchase above all or more commonly in this place than any other food. So it's not necessarily like, oh, this is my death row food in this place. It's the one that you're going to like most commonly get. Or if you go there, if you go to McDonald's, you're probably going to end up with some French fries. You know, like you, yeah. you, you know, so it's, it's that kind of, that kind of thing. The, the thing you're okay. going to end up buying. Our first visit down in South Carolina when we toured, Al Samuels was like, guys, we got to go to Krispy Kreme. You know, when you're down in the south, the southeast, you got to do it. It was before they were everywhere, so we went and got a, uh, you know, some fresh, some fresh donuts. So I think, I think I will you say, that, sorry for the tangents. Yeah. I'm on a big tangent night, TJ. Go. I, I will say that having grown up in the south, there were multiple restaurants that we had that were kind of like, oh yeah, I mean that's a great thing about the south, and only we have it. Yeah. And in the last ten years, they've now they're you know Chick Fil A, Waffle House, Krispy Kreme. And, you know, Waffle House hasn't gone everywhere. I, I, I will, I hate to say this, Waffle House, you know, isn't like that, isn't that great. I, I love it. I've been there a million times. Um, but, you know, Waffle House is no no different. I mean, Krispy Kreme is really good. Yeah. Uh, but Bojangles still hasn't made it no. elsewhere. Despite, hey, if, uh, I, if I end up in your, in, your, in your home territory, I'm going to the Varsity, right? I mean, that's where yeah. I'm going to end up eating at the Varsity. All right, Rush. If you go to a ballpark, what uh, what one food item you gonna end up you gonna end up eating? I get a, a hot dog like almost exclusively. Okay. And I, I I think that a hot dog at the ballpark tastes better than any other hot dog that I've had. I like. There's just something about that to me is like what a hot dog should taste like. I throw some mustard on there. It's got that watery bun a little bit. Okay. You, know, you don't mind it. You don't mind the the steamed one and the one and it's I in the foil and a little. Me. Okay. Great. To me, that's just like kind of the thing. I, I, so I, I, I love a, a dog at the ballpark. By the way, if anybody out there can can successfully do this, I'll be impressed. We we used to always try to do the <laughs> nine and nine and nine challenge, which is nine hot dogs oh, and no. nine beers and nine innings. No, I've never seen anybody no. complete it. But, you got to uh, pre-buy those beers then, because everyone stopped serving now at the stretch. So you gotta you gotta load up in the seventh for your for your late inning your late inning beers. That, 
never got close. I, you know, <laughs> sometimes that'd be like three hot dogs and three beers in through three innings, and then hey, you just go home. Just go home before the fourth. Like, get well, the hell out of there at that I point. Mean, it'd be like which side's worse? It's like both of them, right? You, you just get you're totally sick of both by by four innings. I, I think I tried to pick places you've you've been, or I'm guessing you've been. Okay. So if you go to Germany, what one thing are you gonna what one thing are you gonna eat? You know, it would have it would have been for a long time. I I got to get you know a, a bratwurst or, or a, a sausage platter with a variety of sausages, uh, which I enjoyed. However, I, I may have told you this, but I used to go to or not used to go. I've been twice to Oktoberfest. Yep. And I would get these sausages, and they were quite good. But I would look around, and everybody's getting these chickens, these tiny chickens. Huh. Uh, and and they come out, and they're like they're hot chickens. And I when you say hot chickens, do they look like a whole little chicken, or is it like a like a chicken finger looking thing, or what's it look like? No, it looks like like in a TV cartoon where they have the turkey or the chicken, you know, yeah. it's out there. Except it's small, so it's got like the legs coming off, and but mostly you've got it, there's bones in this chicken, and then and then it's got you know a, a juicy uh, like leg meat, breast meat, everything's on this like tiny chicken. Wow! And I was like, I don't want that tiny chicken. I don't. I mean, I don't like chicken <laughs> that much. I like chicken, but it's not my favorite. You know, sausage is better than chicken. But I look around, and I was like, everybody's getting these tiny chickens. So I got a tiny chicken, and it is phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it is so good. And, and then I'll never forget, we, we were all, we were all at this table and there were these like beautiful girls who were there, these like German women, you know, we, I was 30 years old. Yeah. 31 years old. They were probably like, you know, right around our age. And we, there was like six of us at one end of the table and it was like communal seating or whatever. And there was a band playing and these just beautiful, like German women who like, you know, were obviously would not give us the time of day. These like you know, American tourists there for Oktoberfest. And, uh, and we had ordered, we were ordering these chickens. And so like, we got this like tiny chicken there and I go and I'm, I'm like reaching and grabbing the chicken and this like very beautiful German girl starts walking over to me. And I was like, Oh, this will be nice. I'll, you know, and say, you know, I'll chat her up, maybe give her some of the chicken. And she's just like nine, nine, nine chicken and slaps my hand as hard as she can. While I'm like eating the chicken, and it turned out, you know, they had also ordered a chicken, and theirs, I oh. their chicken, which uh, <laughs> which led to a big problem. But I mean, like the level of anger that she had over, oh. over anybody even tasting her chicken was appropriate. Bogey, because those chickens were delicious. Bogarted that fry that Froilein's Froilein's chicken. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about the mall, Rush? You go to the mall. What thing? What one thing you gonna end up eating? Oh. Not a big fan of eating at the mall. Uh, what I what jumps to mind for me would be if I'm at a food court in the mall, mm-hmm. I'm usually drawn to looking for a euro. Okay. Uh, so if I can find like a euro wrap, you find the you know, find the, the place called the Acropolis or the uh, yeah. Athenian whatever or yeah. Yeah, Arby's How- would be the second. Number two would be number two. How about home turf, man? How about hot Atlanta? What are you getting? What are you getting down there? Well, if I'm going to be in Atlanta one night only, I'm going to Jalisco's Mexican restaurant, my favorite restaurant in the world, and getting the cheese dip and uh, probably a number one um, there. But if I'm recommending to you, you're like coming into Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. I'd still probably say go to Jalisco. Okay. 
What one thing will you end up eating uh, if you go to Los Angeles? Sushi. I, I want to get as many avocados as I can okay. when I'm in L.A. <laughs> I think they have the best. I think their fish is, like, terrific, and I think their avocados, I mean, all of their, like, produce is phenomenal. Uh, but I, I, I want, like, an avocado roll sushi. All right. How about an amusement park? Ooh. I have this weird thing in amusement parks where I kind of always want to get a funnel cake and then I, I rarely yep. do it. I stop myself. <laughs> but that would be the thing that would be most unique to a – I'll tell you what I hate are the apples, the hard apples with like the caramel oh, on yeah. or whatever. I am terrified that I'm going to leave a tooth in yeah. the Yeah, the red – the like just the red candy coats on, on those, the old yeah. the old candy apples, not the taffy – the not the like caramel apples or whatever, but the candy yeah. apples, those are grippers and rippers, man. That's just dying yeah. to yank out, yank out some <laughs> dentalia. All right, yeah. I know you're not a fan of some of this stuff from this part of the world, but how about New England? If you go to New England, what are you going to end up grabbing? Well, yeah, you're right that I do hate lobster. Um uh, I'm probably going to seek out, uh, well, that, no, not probably. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get oysters. Like, okay. I love oysters and I like East coast better than West coast oysters. So that, that's what I'm going to look to get. Okay. How about, and we'll rule out Jalisco's for this, uh, for this case. Cause, uh, we've spoken about it, but if you go to a generic good Mexican restaurant, what are you yep. gonna? What are you gonna uh, make sure you end up getting? Uh, cheese dip one, um, like beef enchilada too. But I, I want. I, I'm a real. I have real like uh, lowbrow taste at Mexican restaurants. Like I like ground beef, not steak. Yep, not I hear chicken. You. But give me the ground beef with with cheese and sauce. How about this rush? If you go to the grocery store, what one thing are you gonna end up leaving with? I would say the one item that I've purchased in the highest percentage of my trips to the grocery store is yogurt. Okay, great. And the last one, and it may be tiny chicken, but if you go to Europe in general, what one thing are you going to end up eating if you go to Europe? What will be your European purchase? Oh, that's what put me on this. The beignet was going to be my Louisiana purchase if I went to Louisiana. So I I don't know if I made that. I think I made that clear, but just in case I didn't. Um. It's going to be some sort of pasta dish. Okay. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, I, for me, Italian food is my, my favorite type of food. Eating in Italy was incredible. The, the place I most want to go that I've never been to in Europe probably is San Sebastian, which is like got more, you know, great restaurants per square foot than any, or huh. more Michelin stars per square foot than anywhere. But I, I do love, 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 um, those that those hams that they that Iberican ham. Oh, gotcha. Yep. So, and that's Italian or that's that's Spanish? Is that that Spanish or? Yeah, that's in okay. Spain, over in the uh, it's I, Iberian Peninsula. So okay, Iberian gotcha. ham, right. and uh, it's over on the. I think San Sebastian is kind of south, southeast of Spain, if I remember. Okay. Correctly. I'm probably totally wrong on that. Uh, that's it. That was uh, that was the Louisiana purchase inspired one. Love it. You know, you know, you can get me 
excited talking about uh, <laughs> some grub, uh, some, some food, <laughs> especially uh, uh, thinking about that tiny chicken. Is really... <laughs> not, you're, I lost you. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure uh, what out is it like? A, I think it's like a guinea hen, right? Or is it is it just like a baby chicken? And what do you do with the ribs and all the like the whole middle carcass area? Like, it, are it, are its wings just tiny, tiny, tiny little wings? Yeah, I don't even remember. Maybe, maybe the wings weren't on there. I, but <laughs> that's how I remember it. I remember it just looking like you know, like the Jetsons had brought out a, t- a tiny chicken, and uh, it was, yeah. you know. Good thing they don't play. Good thing they don't play baseball at Oktoberfest. You would have tried to do a, you know, a nine and nine with tiny chickens and uh, and doppel doppel uh, whatever doppelweisens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that would have been. I basically, I basically did. Yeah. Uh, all right, um, TJ. Yeah. Uh, still on Thelma and Louisiana purchase. This one comes from Thelma and Louise. Yep. And in particular. Um, there was one actor who was in Thelma and Louise, and I think more people would, would remember him first, although he's become extraordinarily famous from Thelma and Louise Brad Pitt. Uh, than, than from anything else before that, and that is Brad Pitt. Yeah. Now, I I did not first see Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise because I didn't see Thelma and Louise until probably six years after it had come out. I, I have not seen Thelma and Louise, so I, okay. I, I might last see Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise. That, that, <laughs> That's right. Quite, well, quite so possible. Please don't watch it, because that means it's, <laughs> your, your death is imminent. Uh, so so I, I first saw Brad Pitt in Seven. Or, or I don't even know if that's where I first saw him, but that's where I first remember seeing him. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here, here's the situation. I'm going to give you some actors. Great. And I want you to tell me where you first remember coming across them. All right. I love it. And I'll it, try. It, it may not have been the first time that you saw them. Yep. saw them. And, and I picked a couple where I think it's like, it's, it's almost universal. Like, again, I think Brad Pitt, a high number, a high like maybe over 50% of people would say, Oh, Thelma and Louise, that's yep. where he broke out. Um, and then I tried to pick some where I was like, man, I bet there's a lot of different answers that could come in for this. Great. So let me start with Robin Williams. Robin Williams, Mork and Mindy. Yes, me too. Yep. And I thought I thought that would be very high percentage, might say Mork and Mindy, at least from our vintage. From our age, yeah, for sure. Because we were it was it was like a we were heavy duty Happy Days Laverne and Shirley probably and it spun off a of Happy Days. So like yeah, yep. I think I think it would have been unavoidable. There was only three channels for God's sakes. Like we knew every yeah. we knew every show on every and every network, you know, like yeah. it was it was tough not to. Yeah. Um Next one is is somebody who uh, I think um, I probably saw many times before it started to register with me that who this person was. Okay. And I've become like a big big fan of theirs, and that is J.K. Simmons. Oh yeah, uh, I believe the first thing I can remember is Law and Order. Okay. When is it when Law and Order? Is it Law and Order or Law and Order SVU? It would, um, and then I noticed probably that he was J. Jonah Jameson in Spider Man. I, I think was the maybe the next thing because it was also just so strikingly different than the type of character he was in Law and Order. He was kind of a soft spoken psychologist. They'd bring him in to do, um, you know, psychological profiles of defendants and stuff like that. But that's when I first think i noticed him and then i i oh you know what 
And then I, at some point I knew he was in Oz. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't watch that show, but I knew that he was in it and saw clips or something like that or a little bit. So it probably went Law & Order, Oz, Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. That was an interesting one for me because, like, I saw an old Law & Order. I, I, they're all old. I saw, you know, Law mm-hmm. & Order with him in it and was like, oh, my God, I, Yes, I remember. I saw him in 20 episodes, but I didn't remember. So, like, he was not on my radar at that point. And, uh, yeah, okay, great. Uh, so now I'm going to do one of your absolute favorites. Yep. That is Miss Allison Janney. When when did she first hit your radar? Was it Love at First Sight, or did it, did it take a few uh, a few performances before you're like, I like this person? West Wing, and yes, Love at First Sight. Uh, okay. everyone, I, everyone in West Wing, it was, it was love at first sight, I believe, except for Rob Lowe and Martin Sheen. And then it was okay. love more than I've ever loved before at second sight or fourth sight, maybe for Martin Sheen. Um, so but you yeah, you ended up a huge Martin Sheen fan. What's that? So you ended up a huge fan of Martin Sheen in the, in the in, role or no? In that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's some things that I've watched where like, well, I'll never like that person more than them in that. And that's, I think, probably true for me of Ben Stiller and Gwyneth Paltrow in the Royal Tenenbaums. And like, I, I think I feel bad, like for Richard Schiff, the guy who played Toby Ziegler in West Wing, when I see him in other things, because it's like, well, I saw what he can do. And this is not using all of his skills here this you know like this bird can fly and you're you have them in a cage over here like playing tic-tac-toe you know for quarters at a time like so i I feel that way about bradley whitford about martin sheen about dule hill who's still really fun in something like psych which i haven't i've seen only a little bit but him as charlie and in the west wing is like it's just yeah i'm convinced i've seen them at their best in that in that thing and i think i've told you i do not like repeats i don't like rewatching things i've watched the first four seasons of the west wing three times wow that yeah. is, that's high praise indeed yeah from a man who, yeah. who cares not for repeats. and i see myself probably doing it a fourth at some point i like it I'm, i gotta do it again i enjoyed the show i don't i don't remember and, that fondly but and I, it's, I liked it it's heavily ass written it's not the type of thing i would normally really enjoy i like kind of quiet and more showing and not doing and like you know just letting your face get a lot of cross this is written the hell out of but i love it it you know it's almost i put some people off because it's almost that breakneck pace of like 1940s are like well you never said that and why don't you call your girl then you're gonna get this over here and we'll do that and it's almost to that pace and in an unrealistic way, like no one can be or no gathering of people can be that erudite and that fast without, you know, without taking a break or making a mistake. They are. But I still I still just appreciate the hell out of it. Yeah. But your favorite sitcom is Cheers, which is a different version of exactly that. Like everybody is preternaturally witty and quick, you know quick-minded or whatever in cheers yeah and it's the same kind of thing and uh, and there's some sentimentality to cheers too like i can recognize that arrested development is more laughs more laughs per minute and you know the simpsons if if that is a a sitcom you know is is more laughs per minute i can be talked into other into other ones so there is some kind of like it was the right time in life it was in boston it was you know uh, the guy was an ex-red sock you know an ex-red sock coach and stuff so 
there but but I can be if if I take if I take three steps back, I know it may not be the greatest sitcom of all time as far as writing and all and all that goes, you know. Yeah. In fact, we're just going through time. Parks and Rec and Community and some other stuff now that that are just like hilariously funny on a really regular clip, you know, like laughs per minute is just uh, out the door on those things. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I remember uh, so in college, I was like very, very vehemently anti-Yankees because I was a huge Braves fan. Uh-huh. And at the time, we were losing World Series after World Series while I was in college to the Yankees. And and I had a friend who he and I were like, you know, blood brothers in that respect because he was, he was a huge Red Sox fan. And then years later, uh, you know, I hate to say to your face, but I, I really became anti-Red Sox. I don't uh, understand it. In the kind of late. 2000s early 2010s i enjoyed watching you guys win in 04 mm. and then it just it, it it felt like yankees part two and I, and i was just you know kind of drunkenly in an argument with my buddy uh and it was just like you know how you know how can you dislike the red sox blah 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 you know and then he's like when did you even start disliking the red sox and i was like ever since they lost sam malone and, uh, <laughs> and that was like the one thing that got him to be like okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> So, um, all right. So next one up is, uh, Robert De Niro. Ooh. Um, uh, I, I watched taxi driver after I already knew who he was. I watched raging bull after I got to see if I can put something. Cause it's like, it's, it's funny with some of these people, right? Cause you're made aware of them. You know, and and then it feels like you always knew who they were, but but like, I might, I might have to say for now, Mad Dog and Glory, but I think it was before, I think it was before that. But I'm trying to think of what the hell it would have been. All right, Mad Dog and Glory, 1993. No, you definitely would have seen stuff before that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, well, I watched, I tried to watch The Godfather, but that was Godfather Part, yeah, no, that was Godfather Part 1. I tried to watch that in, like, 1989, and I fell asleep and then returned it. Um, But I would not have watched Taxi Driver before that. might be yours, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, For me, it was The Untouchables 87. Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't know who he was, really. I mean, I, I, I knew that he was this guy that was... You know, highly regarded. Brazil was eighty five, but I didn't see. That I didn't see that. Take me back. Go, go before Brazil. Uh, so Brazil's eighty five. Um, King of Comedy eighty two. Raging Bull eighty. Deer Hunter seventy eight. <clears throat> uh, Taxi Driver seventy six. Godfather Part two seventy four. Mean Street seventy three. I didn't see any of those movies, obviously, until well after they had come out. But I did see The Untouchables in the theater, and that was where I first became acquainted with Robert De Niro. Yeah, I might have become acquainted with watching him from like an interview or something. Like, yeah. I think it was before. Goodfellas was, Goodfellas was 90. Yeah. yeah. Midnight Run was 88, but I, I, I saw Midnight Run in the theater. I really, really like Untouchables, but I but I knew who he was before that. He's like, oh, look, at he's all kind of doed out a little bit and, you know, and, and stuff. So I, I knew he was like, a slimmer dude, you know, and, and knew he was famous for putting on and losing weight also. Cause so I knew about raging bull, like, but yeah, maybe, you know, half the time I feel like I saw like a 
clip for something on sneak previews and be like, oh, oh yeah, I must have, I saw that movie. Like, I didn't see Dog Day Afternoon, you know? Like, I saw a commercial for it one time, you know? Like, so, yeah. He, I, was, he was the hardest one. For me, I was like, it just kind of, we've always known about him. Right. Although there's there's one that comes later that I think is even I, harder. I was even trying to think of like TV. Would I have known him from TV? Did he do a voice for something, you know, that like, so yep. it wouldn't even been his face, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Melissa McCarthy. Wow. Um, Melissa McCarthy. Do you have her movies in front of you? Uh, it was a small role, like, probably doing, like, you know, something lo- loud, taste tasteless, kind of. I think that's what they had her doing early on, right? Like, it was pre pre bridesmaids or whatever. Um, and I don't think it was whatever the fuck Mike and Molly or whatever the. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't even know when I watched bridesmaids. I did not know that she was the same uh, person from that. Um, God, I wish I knew offhand. I don't know. She was in Charlie's Angels, but probably a small part. Yeah, I wouldn't remember that. Um, Gilmore Girls, which I didn't see. Nope. Uh, the backup plan, Bri- Bridesmaids. I mean, for me, it was Bridesmaids. I feel like it was before then, but maybe maybe I'm always just gonna feel like it was before before then. <laughs> now we now we now we know them, so it feels like you know, like I, I guess we always have. Yeah, right. But I guess maybe that's where I got acquainted with her. Yeah. Uh, Ian McKellen. Gandalf, as far as I know. Yeah, that was true for me as well. Courtney Cox. Well, I mean, in retrospect, I was like, I think that girl's very pretty in the Dancing in the Dark video. Uh, yeah. But, but I, I, oh, you know what? Uh, a TV show called Misfits of Science. That's where I knew wow. her for sure. Yeah. Wow, deep. That's a deep pull. Yeah, deep pull. I forget if she could go invisible or something like that. But the if I if I remember correctly, she was on a short-lived show on NBC where like a gang of like five. Had there was a really really tall African American gentleman who I think could stretch or maybe he could go invisible, but I think it was called the Misfits of Science and maybe it was on 85, for 85, 86. Well played, sir. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, for me, it was uh, definitely Family Ties. Okay, gotcha. She came in as uh, Alex B. Keaton's uh, girlfriend, and she was like one of my, you know first crushes when sure. I was, you know, 10 years old. Sure, sure. But cer- certainly remember from that. All right. Um, Russell Crowe. Huh. Um, well, well, well. Um, I'm going to say that... Com- uh, this, I don't think this is right. That commander in the sea thing, but that 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 doesn't feel like that could possibly be correct. Um, okay, so uh, for me, it would have been L.A. Confidential. 
97. Okay, yeah. Uh, Master and Commander could not have been true for you because that was three years after he won Best Actor for Gladiator or whatever. Or then it must have been actor. L.A. Confidential, and I just don't recall. Yeah, it must have been that. Because that was would have been my first uh, acquaintance with, with Guy... Uh, Guy... Um, Guy Pierce? Yeah, Guy Pierce as well. Um, yeah. I think those are... Yeah, did that come before Memento? I, I think it did. I guess it did. I, I believe so. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks. Splash. Well, Bosom Buddies. Bosom Buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me, me yeah. too, Bosom Buddies. Although, not a great show, but I definitely remember. Yeah. And Buddies. then Big Screen Splash. And then I'm going to end with another one of your absolute favorites, but I could not. I, I looked at the IMDb page and I was like, you know what? Honestly, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know and I can't figure it out. I want to say Hoosiers, but I don't think that's <laughs> it was, true. Yeah. And it is Gene Hackman. It was a did- TV showing. My mom used to quote Popeye Doyle lines in like, you know, you ever get fined for picking your toes in Poughkeepsie and stuff like that? So whenever it was basically the preview the commercials on tv for a replaying of the french connection when he played popeye popeye doyle wow okay so french connection for you but but via not via the movie on tv yeah yeah like and then watching and then watching you know like the four o'clock movie was the french connection but it was from more so seeing these like clips and previews and whenever they showed like clips of like good car chases it was him underneath the l tracks here in here in chicago for the french connection because here's the other thing about hackman is i said oh rush it's gonna be lex luther from superman sure and then I was like, I, in my head, I said, I, I saw Superman in the theater. <laughs> I was I was one year old when, <laughs> when it came out. So, I, I, so like, I, maybe I saw, I don't yeah. think I saw it on TV because, no. like, it was hard to get a movie on TV that quickly at that point. But, like, so, videotape, you know, like, videotape weren't, weren't around and super available. Like, I have a bunch of those are mysteries to me because, like, I don't think I saw Star Wars in the theater, but I could have sworn I saw Star Wars in the theater. Like, I think I saw Empire in the theater, but then I don't know how I saw Star Wars. Because my, my grandfather had a drive-in theater, and they ended up putting Star Wars up there. But I knew Star Wars before that, but I have no idea how. Because it, right. I would have had to have been four years old or something. And, like, no one was going to take me to see that. Like, you know, they why why would they? Science fiction wasn't even like a genre back then. <laughs> yeah, I went to uh, Return of the Jedi uh, with my cousins when when that came out. I was probably like five or six, and we watched Star Wars and Empire somehow. I, I guess like video stores had just had just kind of come into being, so we got those and watched them before. So I watched all three like you know right away when I was like five years old or whatever. That was a nice right. question. That was good. That was very good. Nicely, nicely done. This one, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because I, th- we, I think we're, I think we, we're running, running, running rich right now. But, um, and, and it's, it's in the well. I'll, I'll, here's the situation, Rush. I thought I basically knew the story of Thelma and Louise, but I looked it up, like the synopsis of it, to make sure and to kind of like seek some inspiration from it. And so one description said that it crossed z- genres, but one classification was a female buddy movie. Which kind of struck me. I was like, "Wait a minute! I don't think I've ever seen those words together." Like, because maybe like 
mostly they can buddy movies are usually dudes or like so they don't really like you don't think of like buddies as like women or just the rarity of like a female buddy movie or, or at all so in the spirit of you liking to offer your opinions on subjects that you are entirely unqualified to to do i would like your thoughts on if there are quantifiable or concrete differences between male friendships and female friendships uh. yeah i, I <laughs> certainly don't, don't know. um i don't even know that i as opposed to usual, where I have a deep opinion <laughs> of things that I don't know about. Because uh, I, I, I fear that any, like, opinion I'll have will be too close to the, like, you know, women drive like this. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Like that. Well, I'll, 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 I'll start off in that, like, sort of stand-up fashion of, is that, like, uh, I... Here, here's, here's too broad a brush, and we can try and refine it. That men have have friends that they want to go do stuff with and women have friends that they want to talk to. Mm, that seems directionally accurate, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think of it as, uh, I, I wonder, I would love to see a stat and I imagine there's no difference, but I would be very interested if there is a difference in average duration of friendship, mm -hmm. male versus, you know, two males versus two females. Yeah. Um, I feel like the BFF thing is a female driven concept. Yeah. I hear so you. I wonder if, I wonder if this is, this is stupid because it's just, this is going to be demonstrably false, but I, I wonder if women form deeper and, and, and fewer, uh, friendships that last longer, but may maybe that's just wrong. I mean, probably that's wrong. Like I think of, you know, the stereotype is that women kind of talk shit about each other, even when they're friends more than men do. Right. But I feel like, I feel like that that's probably false since I feel like guys like talk shit about their friends all the time. Right. Maybe they do it in a slightly different uh, way. Is there is there anything to like? If I think of female friends, that's the only word for it. They're friends, you know. Like, and if, if for dudes, it's like, oh, they're buddies, they're pals, they're like, which which means like usually brings along another word, like, oh, they're gambling buddies, they're drinking buddies, they're like bowling pals, you know, or or whatever. That it's like, oh, this is an activity that they do together, and that's why they hang out you know like but but there there was it was just seeing the word like female buddy movie next to each other was like they never you never hear women referred to or, or at least i don't as like oh they're they're buddies they're they're you know pals um you know and 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 uh and alicia they're they're buddies you know like it, uh, we, we were both in that show for a while um uh <laughs> Uh, cuffs that was the like <laughs> Dina and Rebecca. It was, it was a parody of like a it was a buddy. It was a female buddy cop right. uh, improvised. Uh, Forgot about show, that. Yeah, uh, which was kind of a, a fun take on that. <laughs> it is true, but there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, most of them involve sexism. That you know there haven't been as many 
uh, buddy uh, pictures starring women, but that's in part because people didn't think you women sell, were bankable right. and various sexism and so forth. And then Melissa McCarthy and Sandy uh, Sandy Bullock do something like The Heat or whatever, which is phenomenal. Really, really funny and uh, and and a riot. And it's a lady, female buddy cop picture, I think. Yeah, it was. And then, I, you know, I think I've said this before, but I, for me, one of the underrated comedies of the last 10 years or so was that Spy spy with Melissa McCarthy uh-huh. and uh, and Jason Statham playing like a <laughs> totally like a parodied version of himself. That That's a that's a fun movie. Um, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I I don't know, because, again, my male friends, um they themselves tr- take friendships so differently. Like right. I have friends who have only, you know, half uh, only have a dozen friends. You know, like like their bachelor parties got seven people, and it's not because they didn't. Right. They got everybody. Right, they got everybody like, they want there. <laughs> they're like, no, those are my friends. I'm very tight with this. And then you have a bunch of people who are like, no, 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 and and you know, like. One thing is like the the night for men is usually longer than for women, uh-huh. right? So like you don't usually see like a bunch of women um, hanging around the bar till closing, making total asses you know. of themselves. Yeah, being yeah. being idiots, being and boors. So it's possible that that you know. Also, male bonding is a thing you don't never hear about female bonding, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> that's um, that's just what they do, right? Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that the, that the stats would show that men or little boys play more hours of sports on the whole than little girls, uh, you know, so they'd spend more times on teams and more times meeting a bunch of people that way. Um, obviously that's, you know, not, not true for everybody, but I would get, I would be very surprised if I'm wrong on that general, you know, general stat. So you know, I think there's there's certain like societal dynamics that cause men to probably spend more time uh, with friends than than females do. Um, I also would would be very surprised if the stats didn't show that women spend more time at home uh, after after having children than than the father, who is right. more likely, I think, to spend more time away uh, with friends. And I'm not just talking about you know work obligations or whatever. So I suspect that some of the differences that might exist would come from women maybe having a little bit less time available for friendships and therefore maybe being pickier about the ones that they have and maybe developing deeper and more long lasting bonds with, with theirs. That's just a, a dumb theory. Though. Yeah. I don't want, I, I don't want, I didn't want. I don't want us to dig dig a hole for ourselves. I just always try to put a little meat on a plate, you know. I just, I, yeah. I want them to leave. I want them to leave. Here's the situation. Thinking they were offered, they were offered some meat, you know. So yeah, that was that was my attempt. Go. That was my attempt. All right, I will move back away from the meat <laughs> and in, into the side dishes. Please do. That is, that is this. Uh, here's the situation. Love it. Uh, you're walking along the street, and a guy grabs you and says. We have a huge problem. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to film an episode of the Antiques Roadshow, and all of our judges got sick, and they're all gone, and we need to find people off the street. You just got to tell me. I don't care what it is. You got to give me three things. Just list three things that you can do a half-decent job of praising on TV 
just pretend like you know enough about it to Ugh. give these people a, a sense of what, what an item is worth. You got to tell them three things. What are the three things that you would be best Damn. positioned to, uh, uh, to, to, uh, appraise on antiques roadshow. And I, I don't know, some, for some reason, purchase made me think of antiques. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, yeah, the Louisiana purchase was such a purchase long ago that, yeah, it'd be an antique by Louisiana is an antique by now for sure. That's right. Right. That's right. Um, give me, give me pocket watches. Okay, great. Give me sports memorabilia. Yes. And give me like old toys and games. Okay. I, I'd see. I, that's, that's very interesting. I, I probably would have said maybe two of those three myself. Uh, so somebody comes in. All right. So now here, now here we go. <laughs> no. Yeah. So what do you think we're done there? No, yeah, no, no. that's it. So, Moving on. So they're like, great. Okay. So we start uh, with your, the first one we're going to do is some of this sports memorabilia. Okay. So a guy walks in and he's like, uh, he's got a signed Jersey. Okay. From each of uh, the Yankees Ooh. infielders who played uh, in the game where Don Larson threw a perfect game. Okay. And so it's a, it's a jersey, and it's a it's an actual uh, worn Don Larson jersey, but not from that game. Uh, it, it, but it's a Don Larson jersey signed by him and each of the infielders uh, that were in the infield when he threw the perfect game. Okay. Um, how am I going to go about evaluating that? Yeah. What do you, what are you going to, this is Don Larson's, this is Don Larson's game worn, game worn Jersey. He did wear it in a game. Not, not the, not that actual perfect game. Okay. Well then I'll, I'll point out that it's certainly, this would be worth probably 10 to a hundred times more that if it was, if it was from that game, that being the only perfect game in world series history, although not the only perfect game I think in postseason history, I think that that that's been that's been replicated. Uh, Doc Holliday, guys looking and a little Burley. dejected now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But um, you've got at least two Hall of Famers signed in this jersey. You have uh, Yogi Berra's on here. You have obviously Don Larson's. You have Phil Rizzuto. A couple of these I can't I can't read. Um, and this uh, <laughs> and then I would assess the the general condition of the item. You know, like if it was still you know if it was still seemed if it looked like there any repair had had to have been had to have been done we've kept it we've kept it air sealed ever since my grandfather got it looks pristine uh, he, yeah he went he went and larson gave it to him himself and then he went around the locker room and and we've had it and uh uh he he framed it right away and we've never taken it out of that frame and, and it's in you know condition yeah it's a it's a beautiful item and i would say at auction with motivated buyers you're looking at something between seventy five thousand and one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. oh wow yeah. he's thrilled I yeah mean, he's absolutely <laughs> thrilled and he's he hopes for some motivated buyer <laughs> he, he leaves uh next up um a uh, guy they say all right toys and games here you go mm. and so uh this is one of the first 20 copies of Monopoly okay. that was sold in the United States. First yeah. 20 copies of Monopoly. All the pieces are there. Uh, it is. It does have a, uh, a significant uh, laceration uh, along uh, one of the corners of the box where uh, it's basically split. The box. Otherwise, pretty good condition. Okay, the board looks nice and we're, we're complete. We have full full bank, full money, original money, original 
Uh, it is. It's it's not in the plastic. It is. It is. It is open. Okay, that's great. Um, hey, you know, toys are meant to be played with. You know, uh, it, it, your your value suffers a little bit, but toys are meant to be played with. You sh- you should have gotten some enjoyment about it, you know over out of it for for all of these years. What you'll notice here is that some of the playing pieces have changed over over time you know like some yeah. some stay the the top hat stays the iron stays but others have been replaced by automobiles and the horsemen and you know and the and the terror the boston terrier um oddly enough about this game this was originally this board game was originally invented to show the evils of capitalism and has over time been used to uh, glorify capitalism until you absolutely bankrupt all the uh, all the other players uh but the first 20 i mean when people say board game you know, this is the board game that they're going to think of, at least in America. And obviously it led to so many spinoffs of um, board games, uh, Monopoly games specific for, you know, uh, different towns, different states, different uh, TV shows or whatever. These originally all so- sort of, you know, based on the uh, the the city, the streets around the city of uh, Atlantic City. Um, but I would say in this condition, obviously there's a little damage here. You know, you can have that repaired by a, by a professional, but at auction with motivated buyers, I would say you're looking at something between 15 and $25,000 here. Oh, oh, I, I, that's so much higher than I thought. That's great news. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. And, uh, you can just see that this guy's very happy about that. And, and so the, the guy comes, he says, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. believe it or not, we also found a pocket watch oh, no. here. So can you please help? Um, guy comes up and he says this is the pocket watch that was used and filmed on the set of pulp fiction and it is the one that christopher walken uh claimed uh that he held uh in his ass uh for all that time uh in in that memorable scene in uh, in pulp fiction this was the prop uh that was used during hmm. that that filming well, that's uh, that's uh, just a. So, is it just a prop? Can I tell by looking at it? Is it? I, I mean, I'll crack the back. Uh, there's usually there there's a a a, a little device, you a, a tiny little wedged thing that you can use to pop open the back of pocket watches that are usually pretty accessible, so that you can see the inner workings and stuff and stuff yep. like that. So, I mean, if this is an actual working old pocket watch then certainly that'll affect this this value um uh, a little bit more it, its primary value will be that it was featured in a film and and was a movie prop but if it's also functioning then then all the better um i would say like to check the jewel the the um fancier a pocket watch the more jewels are in there jewels were used in the center of the gears to keep the friction down so we would check the jewels on that i would wind it to see if it's still if it's still wound but again remind them that you know like this being the watch from pulp fiction and i hope there's provenance from that you'd want a certificate from you know from the uh the studio saying that this is indeed we, we that pocket certificate watch. um and and there's also a little bit of history i can tell you which is uh, we understand that they went and, and bought it. They wanted it to look authentic to the time period. So they did go back and purchase uh, a, a pocket watch that would fit the, the timing of the story. Ah. Um, uh, and uh, uh, but they, they paid um, they paid thirty five dollars for it uh, in the prop department. Sure. Uh, so that's that's all it was worth at the time. But then it was used in. In Pulp Fiction and in a, in a pretty memorable and, scene. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pocket watches have lasted for 100, 100 plus years that you can still find uh, for 50, 60, 70 dollars. So the the age, you know, they, they hold up pretty well. They were well made to begin with. But this being from a famous movie, from uh, a famous scene with a famous actor, um, I think you're looking at auction with highly 
motivated buyers, you're looking at something, I would say between eight and $12,000 right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Great. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, well done. Uh, we appreciate your, your work. We grabbed you off the street and you nonetheless <laughs> handled the antique search. Man, uh, uh, that was, oh, oh, I felt like I was almost doing that for real. All right, Rush, here's the situation. If I said Thelma and blank or blank and Louise, you would have easily filled in those blanks with the with the known counterpart. What I'm going to give you are some and pairings with a word missing that don't normally have a known other half to them. So it'll be okay. something and blank or blank and something. I'd like you to fill in the blank with a, with a pairing and maybe give me just a little bit as to why that made sense to you or, or, you know, a little bit of your reasoning behind that. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Orlando and. Um, maybe Orlando and, uh, Anaheim. Okay. We're talking about the, the East and Absolutely. West. Absolutely. That makes total sense. How about, how about blank and wool? Uh, I don't know, cotton and wool just is the two fabrics I yep. think about is dominant. I hear. You. How about blank and tacos? Oh, if you without the and, you know, it's Tuesday for sure, right? <laughs> right. Um, blank and tacos. I don't know, maybe like cerveza. Okay, nice. Is to just like yeah, this is what the, this is what this restaurant orders like like chips and salsa or whatever you can yeah chips and salsa yeah. but you know you think about hot dogs and be you know famous food pairings hot dog and beer uh, pizza and, and coke um, I think about tacos I think about having tacos and a few beers yeah tacos obviously fish and yeah. chips how about poison and oh antidote. I mean, you can't. Okay. Yeah. But I think that maybe because I, I saw a TV show last night that involved the poison antidote <laughs> situation. How about blank and battleship? Um, maybe because I just mentioned it, but Monopoly. I, I mean, think about two like pretty terrible games that uh, <laughs> that are very very popular. Um, yeah. How about Emperor Penguin and? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> uh, Labor Day and barbecue. Okay. Blank and fake tattoos. Um, hair dye. Okay. Things. Wigs. Wigs. Wig, no, okay. Wigs and fake tattoos. Cheap things people do to change their appearance is that uh, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, you uh, you should have seen this this rat ass bar it was all wigs and fake tattoos. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah. It's like, all right, you gotta look. You gotta change your identity. You know, do the classic wigs and fake tattoos. Okay. <laughs> How about nine yards? Warm beer and Ooh, um. <laughs> warm beer and. Boy, what a what a miserable thing to get paired with. Uh, <laughs> where's your mind going? Like, oh, it was a shitty party, or it was like it was so late, or where where is your like head going? To... It started with like a cooler that's got like you know, okay, it, it it's half full with with warm water. Yeah. at that point, yeah. 
Um, I was gonna say like warm, warm beer and leaky cooler is like, but but I think it's it's gonna be a phrase that has to do with things that are like hungry mosquitoes. <laughs> oh God! Oh, you're like, making it really bad. Well, it's just it's been, you've been there all day long, long enough for the ice to melt in the cooler. You know, now it's like nighttime and you know and crummy or whatever. But I, I, my mind was going. I was trying to come up with a thing that's like, okay, so warm beer, right? You're like. Okay, it sucks that it's warm, but it's still beer, which oh, okay, is good. Gotcha. So, warm beer is like a tie, you know? Yeah. So, so I was trying to think of another thing that's like kind of a tie, which is like red vines. I was well, I was gonna say like <laughs> warm beer and um, delivery pizza. Okay. Yeah, I hear you know, something yeah. like that. Where yeah. It, yeah. Uh, last one for you, Michael J. Fox and. Um, uh, Vivica A. Fox. <laughs> why? why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because it's a three name person with a middle initial or whatever, or a two name with and a middle it, initial. It, it ends in Fox. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like I like questions like that because I like to see where someone's mind immediately goes. You know, like what 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 category are you placing this into to come up with the other with the other half of it? You know, like yeah, I mean, certainly, I you've, I first thought Parkinson's, but I don't want to say Michael J. Fox and Parkinson. Um, so if there's a phrase, I don't know why there would ever, I don't know what context you'd ever be like. You know, this is just a Michael J. Fox and Vivica A. Fox situation. <laughs> two, it's like, well, it's like two things that sound pretty similar and are very, very different. different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got, yeah, no, look, it, it's a classic, yeah, you, for a moment you think these two things are the yeah, same. Yeah, right. They're not the same. They're very different. <laughs> it was like a windmill and a gin mill, you know? It was like, this is... <laughs> yeah. You're the gravy, classic, you know? Uh, yeah. That's a classic Michael J. Fox, Mimica A. Fox. Anyway, get your windmill and your windmill. All yeah. right. You got one more for you me? Got, you got your taps and your tapes. Right, you know? <laughs> yeah. I got one more for you. All right. So famously in Thelma and Louise, um, they finished the movie by, by driving off a cliff. Ah, uh, don't ruin it. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh. yeah. Sorry. So uh, here's the situation. Uh, a magical man comes to you and says, "No, I don't want to drive off this one cliff thing. with you." <laughs> he says, "I'm gonna let you do one thing that's just certainly gonna get you killed, but it won't. Okay. You won't die. You won't suffer any physical negative consequences. Um, and you get to do one kind of crazy thing that's like just uh, an over-the-top suicide, but you're gonna get away with it. What do you choose to do, and why?" That's one thing you would. I think it would be fall from a great height, like and 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 I and I believe they're at. Are they at the Grand Canyon or just at a canyon? I I don't know, but yeah, it it might be something. It might be something like that, um, or a really really tall building and like although like I don't necessarily want to call a bunch of attention to it, so maybe not a building like a tall building in a in a big city because then you're gonna just like land but not splat, um. But the, the, oh, you know what? Like out of an airplane, no parachute fall for, you know, 
thousands, tens of thousands of, of feet and land or, you know, or, or no, you're not going to die. Like the ability to just take that in, it doesn't last long, but other ways of like, I don't want to eat a bunch of pills and not, you know, you know, and not fall asleep, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't want to put a, put a weapon to myself and not die from, you know, from, you know, slashing or gunshot. So I think of the ways something like that, um, that sounds like more fun and longer lasting than like driving into something or, you know, or not drowning. I think, so I think that I think maybe out of an airplane, no parachute and, and just be able to like take it in. Yeah. The ultimate skydiving experience. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what, that's what my, that's what this magical man is selling me. The, the ultimate skydiving experience. That's right. All right, back to the top. All right, Rush. The United States got 827,000 square miles of land west of the Mississippi River for 15 mil in the Louisiana Purchase. That's a bargain buy by any measure. I'm going to give you actual um, or estimated prices of things, and I'd like you to tell me if you think that's a bargain, that's a ripoff, or that's a fair price. Okay. Mona Lisa, estimated value $850 million. Um, I think that that would be a bargain. I think you would be able to get more than that. Um, uh, taking it back to some museum, I would think, is that what the Louvre has it insured for? That it was insured for, um, less than that, but a long time ago. So adjusted right now, it would be, it would be 850, 850 mil. I would. I saw other estimates that said it was like closer to a billion or billion plus um but yeah but 850 was the most common number i saw yeah i i think you could i think you could buy find some some guy you know some crazy lady billionaire who would pay more than that for that for that piece of art even though it's i think we've talked about it's pretty underwhelming when you see it I've, i've never seen it but that's what i've heard um a gallon of whole milk $3.51. $3.51. So that's, you're telling me that's the actual average price? Yep. Gallon of whole milk, $3.51. You know, I mean, I think I've said on this podcast before, I think like some of the very basic staples um, are underpriced. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh-huh. salt. I right. was talking about is so cheap. <laughs> And I do think like you're getting a whole lot of value there because like gosh, it's Last like, you can't even ever. drink. Yeah. You can't even drink a gallon. <laughs> oh right. Oh gotcha. Yeah. You know? Like almost no one can do that. So I think that's a great price. And okay. I think we're all getting a bargain with our milk. Bargain. Great. The Empire State Building, two point three billion. Um I think uh it's a little bit of a ripoff. I think okay. that you know, we've seen some recent uh, like luxury condo buildings put up in in New York with views over the park and everything, and they really struggle to sell the, the super high priced um, uh, rooms there. So, I'd say not not a terrible ripoff, but a little too much. Okay, um, average price for an acre of land in Montana two thousand and sixty six dollars. I mean, it's obviously a great bargain. Bargain. I okay. mean, Ted Turner went and bought like half of it, right? Is that right? <laughs> I yeah. Didn't, yeah. Ted, Ted Turner owns, you know, a ridiculous percentage of the land in Montana. No kidding. All right. A Wilson Evolution Microfiber Composite Indoor Basketball 
$65. Rip off. Okay. And Wilson NCAA MVP rubber basketball, $11.99. There you go. Bargain. Bargain? Oh, Don't know. Fair price or bargain? Fair, fair price. Okay, fair, fair price. price. Okay. Rush, the average um, uh, home uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'm sorry, the average cost for a home in Fort Wayne, Indiana, $153,755. I would say fair price. Fair price? Okay. I I don't think, you know, look, you're you're obviously going to be able to get, I'm not a huge fan of, not not that that this is true of people that live in Fort Wayne, but um, I'm not a huge fan of the like, oh my God, I got a great deal. Uh, I live in the outskirts of Atlanta, (laughs) but I was able to buy twice the house for the money. And I'm like, yeah, but you're in the car two hours a day more than the people that live. I've just never thought, I mean, you know, I live downtown. I prefer that. And so um, I've never been huge on like, Let's move from Chicago to Pittsburgh because the houses are cheaper. Yeah. Um, that's not my thing. Uh, Rush, do you know who Susie Orman is? I do. Uh, speaker fee, $100,000 to get Susie Orman oh to come on. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. Rip off. Rip off. All right. Uh, Manchester United, the uh, the football, the English football team, $1.65 billion. Great question because the so so the way that most things uh, are purchased, right? Most like expensive corporations, companies, whatever, um, they're usually traded on a on a basis of a multiple of their of their EBITDA, which is their earnings before income tax depreciation amortization, and EBITDA is a good kind of uh, uh, surrogate for profitability, I suppose. Right. Um, so, so typically like different industries will, will have like a multiple that's, that's normal for that industry for buying something. So like in the restaurant industry or something where there's a lot of turnover and it's not that safe and you're probably not going to get that many years out of an investment, you might have a much lower EBITDA multiple, like you might sell at two and a half times. Whereas if you have a healthcare company, it's more likely to continue to have like, you know, patents that it's got or, or other developments that it's doing. You might pay a much higher multiple, you know, okay. seven to 12 or whatever times the, the, the yearly earnings, because you expect to be able to make a bunch of money off, off it for many years in American sports in Manchester United, it's not going to be all that different in American sports. There is borderline, no, uh, no rationality to the, <laughs> Uh, acquisition price of franchises, they go for way above any sort of reasonable multiple. Like Balmer bought the Clippers for like 50, 50 times EBITDA or something crazy, right? Okay. So you have to own it. And, and there's basically like almost no assets that you would ever reasonably anticipate like owning that long to turn a profit, right? So so based on that, what Balmer and other people are doing is recognizing that there is this um, just like there is this uh, combination of scarcity and like, you know, ego slash, you know, notoriety that comes from acquiring these things, that it's a vanity purchase and that that 
that allows a bunch of additional price to go into it because not only are you, the buyer, going to buy it at a vanity price, but you can assume that the next person will come in behind you and sports ownership will only become more and more valuable over time. And so if you look at Manchester United and you say $1.75 billion, you'd say, oh, my God, that's ludicrous, right? Like you could sell out every seat and have whatever TV rights you want forever, and you're not going to make $1.75 billion back. But that fails to recognize the, the key end part of the calculus, which is uh, I'm going to find some other person that is going to be willing to pay <laughs> $2.1 billion dollars or whatever. Yeah. The other thing is a sports team ownership is probably priceless in the sense of like, I think it was the show Billions, which not a great show, but I think they were the ones that said, had a good quote that I liked, which is, Sports ownership is is like America's version of, of knighthood or royalty, right? Like if you get to be in that club, it's you, you become family. Look at Mark Cuban. Like nobody really cared about Mark Cuban because of uh, what's it called the you know the internet radio. Obviously, Shark Tank uh, helped him a ton, but like he got there off his fame developed, you know from owning the Mavericks, Jerry Jones, all these like... I would know who Arthur Blank was if not for the Atlanta Falcons for Right, you wouldn't be like, oh, the CEO of Home Depot. Like, who's the CEO of Lowe's? Who's the CEO, you know... Or Bob Kraft in in New England. Robert Kraft, I'd have no idea who he was, yeah. Right, so so I'm going to say that $1.75 billion is... I mean, I'm not going to call it a bargain because it's just, you just can't... Let me just tell you, just just so you have it, it's 1.65 bill. Just, just in case all of a sudden it becomes a bargain at that. At, 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 bargain. Okay. Huge bargain. I mean, you got $100 million off. Uh, but no, I, I would say, look, I would say ultimately probably a fair price. Like, uh, is that the most valuable sports team? I believe so. Yeah, I think I think it's something that it goes like them. It might be the, the domestic ones might be the Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys. And then I think it's like Barcelona and it might be... Um, it, it might be like uh, uh, Munich, Mu- uh, München Bayern or Munich Bayern or yeah. something like that Bayern might be, Munich, yeah. might, might finish it off. Um, the last I, one. I, I, oh, doubt, I doubt that Jerry Jones would be willing to sell the Cowboys at any price. Yeah, right. It's I mean, too big a part of him. To, he put a bill into uh, the stadium too, right? Like that, you know, you, you, the, um, here's the last one. A considerably lower price tag on a 20 ounce bag of Kit Kat minis, $5 and 49 cents. That seems like too expensive to me. That it, seems like a little bit uh, too expensive. It seems a little high too. Like it's a it's a pound, you know what, a pound and a quarter, but it does seem a little high. It does seem a little yeah. high. If I'm going to eat those with milk, then it balances yeah. out. Yeah, because I uh, yeah. got this nice deal <laughs> with my milk, but I have paid too much for the Kit Kat. Rush, I tell you, you know who's a bargain? Nate DeFord. Nate DeFord. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, as was Julie Nichols and Emily Cardamus. Um, this is Here's the Situation. If you want to get in touch with us, um, and certainly do. If you this was by chance your first episode, write to us, please. You don't have to just write two sentences as to why the hell now. Uh, but Here's the Situation podcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell me if I'm missing anything, Rush, or tell, uh, tell everybody goodbye. I will say thank you for listening. I look forward to the emails from the first-time listener uh, this week, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week. All right.